Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. morning. Waking or sleeping, his presence is our light. And that light has called us to gather together as God's people here in the sanctuary of the Village Church or wherever we may be visiting through the miracle of online worship. Welcome to those who are here for the first time. Welcome to those who are here for the 100,000th time. Welcome to all who are here to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us be called together to worship as we read responsively now from the 18th Psalm. I love you, O Lord, my strength. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Friends, let us worship God.
We love so much to be forgiven, but so seldom do we forgive others. Thanks be to God that he allows us to confess our sins and to assure us that indeed we are forgiven so that we might forgive others. Will you please join me as together we pray the prayer of confession. Almighty and merciful God, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare those who confess their fault. Restore those who are penitent according to your promises declared to the world in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O merciful God, for his sake, that we may live a holy, just, and humble life to the glory of your name. Amen. We are forgiven. We are restored. We are brought right and made children of God. Let us never forget that love we have through Christ Jesus poured out for us and given to us from our Heavenly Father. Amen. of Christ be with you. Please share that peace with one another. As we are concluding our personal greetings, I'd like to invite our younger disciples now to leave the sanctuary to join your Sunday school teachers and other leaders if you'd like to go. We are blessing these young disciples, grateful that they have been able to be with us in worship for a few moments, grateful as well for their teachers who will lead them in learning about the Lord. I want to take this opportunity to say that we are always happy to have disciples of every age with us in worship and also happy for those who go on to do other things. So God bless you. God be with you. Thanks for being here this morning. As we continue to think a little bit about our life together, I want to mention that this is in a sense today a return for us to our traditional, traditional worship. 
I say that because at nine o'clock, we worshiped in the sanctuary for the first time officially since the pandemic started, and we returned to our traditional contemporary form of worship. But today we return to our traditional, traditional form of worship. One of those traditional, traditional things that we just did, how many of you picked up on it, right? We sang the Gloria Patri together. Yeah, wasn't that cool? Hey, yay! You almost wanted to clap, didn't you? Okay, you can do that. There we go. <laughs> we are returning today in this worship to much of the tradition that we had come to enjoy here in the Village Church. A few things will be tweaked just a little bit. We also are learning more about how to live stream this service. We have been live streaming this service, of course, for quite some time now. We also are live streaming the nine o'clock contemporary service. So if you'd like to worship in two different modes, for instance, if you have sinned a great deal, particularly this week, and need to worship a little bit more to make up for it, then that's one way you can do that but have a different kind of service. We are very happy to have our acolytes back in worship with us, our lay readers. We're happy to have our choir. If you would like to be part of any of these ways of helping in the leadership of the church and the leadership of our worship, we would invite you to be in touch with us. As I mentioned, we are continuing to learn our audiovisual lighting systems and so bear with us if everything goes off for some reason. I don't think it will, but our team is doing a great job with that. I want to mention today that our choir for several years has had a plaque on the wall in the music room recognizing those choir members who have served in the choir for at least 10 years or who have also gone on to sing in the heavenly choirs. And today we are recognizing one of those members who thankfully still is with us here singing, but has been with the choir for 20 years. Alice Rohde. Alice, where are you? Alice is out there. There we go. Alice, stand up. Fantastic. God bless you, my dear. You have to look at the preacher now, but I'm sorry. It's great to have you. Thank you, dear. Thank you. <laughs> I want to mention that our adult Bible studies led by the pastors, La Costa Glen, Wednesday morning women and Thursday morning men's groups begin this week. We're studying the book of Genesis. So if you're part of one of those groups or would like to be, we look forward to seeing you this week. On Saturday, we'll have our Plant with Purpose Gala on the 17th, and Jan tells me that there are still a few seats of Available, Jan will be recognized as the volunteer of the year uh, this coming Saturday. So that means just like in Monopoly where you've been elected chairman of the board and you pay each player $50, that's what Jan, isn't that part of the deal? No, it's not part of the deal at any rate. And I'd like to invite Mitchell Snow to come up with us. Mitchell is here from Interfaith Community Shelter. Mitchell, tell us what's going on. All right, well, Today and the next couple of weekends is the Homeless Veterans Initiative. This church has been a huge supporter of interfaith community services and the work we do with homeless veterans. So as part of that, through the gifts that you all provide, we're able to make sure that as those homeless veterans get off the street and into permanent housing, they enter into furnished homes, which is so special for them because it means that immediately they've found home when they get there. Uh, so thank you all for the tremendous support you provide. The need is still great. Uh, and we're still able to provide these services to the many veterans we serve because of you. 
Thank That's you. great. Mitchell, stay here a second. We'd invite you to stop off at the homeless veterans table. It's festooned in red, white, and blue. Let's have a prayer. God, we thank you for Mitchell. We thank you for the ministry of the Homeless Veterans Initiative. We thank you for the service of all the veterans of this nation and others, and ask that you would bless this great work of providing housing to those who need it, of providing a, a word of love and a, a word of encouragement and support. We pray that it will glorify your name and spread your love around the world for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thank you, brother, for being with Thanks, us this Pastor morning. Jack. You bet. You bet. There are many ways that we are called to give, but God calls us to give all of ourselves all the time. And so now as an act of worship, as you feel so led during this next piece of music, we would encourage you to come to the offering baskets that are here at the front of the sanctuary and to present your offering in a financial way as a sign of your offering of yourself to God who has given us all. Blessings.
hearts together in prayer. I will lead us in a pastoral prayer and then we will join together in the Lord's Prayer. Let us now come before the throne of God and share our heart with him. Gracious God, whose wisdom and counsel guide us, whose presence is unmovable, and whose compassion reaches to the ends of the earth. Guide us this day as we give thanks and lift prayers for forgiveness and intercession. May our words be guided by your Holy Spirit in the confidence of your Son, Jesus, who lives and reigns with you in glory. Lord, our Lord, hear our prayers for the healing, the healing of scars and wounds which are so deep from the evil of September the 11th, 2001. Even as we remember the horrific event and those whom we love taken too soon, for those who are still affected, for those who walk in sorrow, we remember also, Lord, the first responders who gave their lives to save others, a witness of strength and care, one that continues, Lord, for all those who care in times of great disaster, in times when evil seems so present, those who show up to pray, to love, to care, to bring hope. Comfort, Lord God, comfort your people and bring peace. We pray for all who mourn the loss of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Thank you for her life and her love for you, which guided her in service to her people and the world. You have welcomed her into your kingdom triumphant with the words of well done, good and faithful servant. We pray for King Charles III as he begins to guide a nation through deep sorrow and on into the future. Comfort him and give to him, Lord, the love of you which his mother so dearly demonstrated in her faith to serve you in serving others. We pray for our church and community. We pray comfort for those who have lost loved ones. Specifically, we pray, Lord God, for Antoinette and the loss of her son, Frankie. We pray for Tyler's family. And we also lift up prayers for Norm and his sons as they grieve the loss of Gail. We are people of faith who lean into your grace and mercy. We trust you, our Heavenly Father, who loves us with an undying love and provides promise and hope where none seem possible. Bless us as we continue to worship today, bringing you glory. Give us ears to hear your word. Bless Pastor Jack as he brings your message. Let the reality of your presence, a solid rock, guide us to victory through Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
A reading from the book of Deuteronomy. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak. Let the earth hear the words of my mouth. May my teaching drop like the rain, my speech condense like the dew, like gentle rain on grass, like showers on new growth. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God, without deceit, just and upright is he. Yet his degenerate children have dealt falsely with him, a perverse and crooked generation. And now from the Gospel according to Matthew. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it was founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. The word of the Lord. We gather today, whether here in the sanctuary of the village church or online somewhere else around the world, but we gather here today with many things on our minds, the things that inhabit our daily lives, our personal lives. Yet we also gather with two particular things, I would think, that are on all of our minds. As Jan mentioned in her prayers a moment ago, today is 9-11, a day that 21 years ago changed much of the world for most people and changed almost the whole world for some. We remember the terrorist attacks in New York and Washington and Pennsylvania. And we think of those even among our own church family who lost loved ones. We are thinking as well, of course, of the death of Queen Elizabeth II and the ascension to the throne of Charles III. And in both of those cases, we note 
a certain historic significance, much of which we are really not yet able to judge well. We can note the loss and the grief of both of those events, and we can celebrate and lift up our support, our prayer, our love for all who are impacted deeply in their hearts by these events, and especially for those who have lost loved ones near and dear to them. We must recognize this as we gather today. On a different plane entirely, though, I want us to think about realities that are perhaps even larger than these two things. The reality, especially, that encompasses all of us who are part not of the United States or of the United Kingdom, but of the kingdom of God. Because in the kingdom of God, something much older, something much larger, something much more lasting, there is something big going on. There's no specific date that we can associate with this big thing that I'm speaking of. Rather, it is more of a season, a time of great change, change in church life, change in the life of faith of those especially who follow Christ. Some of this change became more observable, more perceptible because of the pandemic that started two and a half years ago. But the change was already happening more slowly, yes, more imperceptibly. The change was already afoot. There are two realities now about the life of the Christian church, especially in the West, that you and I need to note. There are large numbers of people in Western Christianity who are doing one of two things. They are either changing their patterns of participation or they are falling away from faith altogether. Now, in the whole world, in the global church, the church is growing rapidly. That's good news. And the center, if you will, of worldwide Christianity is no longer in Western Europe or in the United States. And for that, we thank God. But in Western Europe and now in the United States of America, people are changing their patterns of participation. Let me illustrate. There are people right now, millions of them, who are participating in this service online via the internet. Maybe it's not millions. <laughs> Someday it will be. 
Let me ask this question. How many of you have at least once tuned in to worship via the live streaming that we have available now? Just about everybody here. That's a good thing. That's a good thing that you can worship whenever and wherever in your own life. Now, what that means is that you have no excuse for not coming to church anymore. Right? You used to be able to say, you know, I just, I just wasn't in town at 10.30 on Sunday morning. Great. Where were you? I, I just couldn't come to worship. Excuse me, did you have internet? There we go. And even if your internet was out for a few minutes or a few hours, you can still come back and watch the recorded service. There is no excuse that you can give me anymore <laughs> for why you didn't come to church. So patterns of participation are changing, and part of what that means is that fewer people are here on campus on a given Sunday morning to worship. Though There are many who are worshiping in other ways. That dynamic, that trend, is something that your church leaders are dealing with. And it's not nearly as concerning, though, as the fact that there are many people who are not just not coming to church. They're not in church. They don't believe in God anymore. They don't follow Jesus anymore. And that's of concern, deep concern. And yet still... Still, the core remains. People ask me how I am, and my standard answer now is, I'm still here. We're still here. The core remains. Now, in truth, every single day, all of us must answer that question that some are answering in the negative now. All of us must answer that question of whether or not we still are going to follow Jesus. And so today, we are going to begin a journey with each other, a journey I'm tempted to say that we will take to its end if the Lord gives us that much time. I've seen over and over and over again, as you have, those recordings of the queen when she was just 21 and not yet the queen, promising to serve the kingdom as long as the Lord gave her. The new king has done the same thing. So let's say this to each other, as long as the Lord gives us the time, today we will begin and on Thanksgiving we will conclude a journey of looking together, looking deeply into the heart of why we follow Jesus and what it means and, and whether we too might want to give up on God and find another way of life. To do that, I want to take us to two other momentous times in history, arguably times of much longer and deeper impact on the history of the world than the other two that I mentioned a moment ago. The first time is when Moses is getting ready to die. You think Elizabeth was old at 96? Moses, we're told, was 120. Had been leading the Hebrew slaves who are now free, wandering around in the wilderness for a long time. 
They are ready to cross the Jordan River and go into the promised land. God has said to Moses, you are not going to go with them. You are going to turn over the reins of leadership to Joshua. But before that, God gave a message to Moses to give to the people. And what he has to say is important. That's one of those momentous times. The other one is a time that you could say lasted three years. Only three years. When the Son of God walked on the face of the earth and in his teaching, in his example, in the things that he did, he accomplished the decisive act of God in all of history to confront evil, to confront death, to confront the disintegration of God's creation and to bring a new creation into being. We'll focus specifically for a moment on one of the things that Jesus said in what is arguably his longest and most important sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. But let's go back to the time of Moses first. Moses is getting ready to die. The people are going to go into Israel under Joshua. And Moses is reminding the people of who they are, of why they're there, and especially reminding them about the God who made it all happen. The portion of Scripture that Paul so beautifully read a moment ago is put in poetic form because we believe that this discourse, this teaching from Moses, was ultimately put into the form of liturgy, of a song, so that it could be remembered and repeated. And in all of that, Moses lifts up for the people something that they continually forget, and that is who God is and what God is like, and therefore who they are meant to be. Moses says God is great, God is perfect, God is just, God is faithful, God is upright, God is without deceit. God is our rock. Five times within the space of a few verses of this song, Moses says God is the rock. How many of you have met a rock before? Anybody here know anything about rocks? Of course you know about rocks. Let's think about rock. Let's think about rock in the Middle East or rock in any desert kind of climate. I grew up in New Mexico. All of us live here mostly now. We Very similar climates to the Middle East. Rock is an important thing, partly because of the opposite of rock, that which is not rock, right? What's the opposite of rock? Sand or quicksand. My own home that I grew up in, the home in which my mother still lives, was built partly on very rocky soil, but also partly on very sandy soil because it's on what we call in New Mexico an old arroyo. And when huge rains come, that arroyo still runs and water flows through our yard, never enough to wash the house away, but still. People in the Middle East face that all the time. They wanted to live close to the water, but in order to live close to the water, you had to live close to a Middle Eastern arroyo, something we call a wadi, W-A-D-I. 
If you build, though, on the sand, you have a, a very loose and shifting foundation and your house might get washed away. Instead, you build on the rock. The city of Jerusalem is based on the fortress of Jerusalem that is built on a high hill made of solid rock. That's what you do if you want your building to last. You build it on rock. The ancient city of Aleppo in Syria, as old and maybe older than Jerusalem, the citadel of Aleppo is built on the hill, the rock. I've been there. Earlier today, the queen's remains were taken from Balmoral Castle to Edinburgh. How many of you have been to Edinburgh, to the castle in Edinburgh, high on the hill, on the rock? Rock is important. Why? Because rock is strong. It's reliable. It does not change. It does not shift. Rock withstands all other things that can be flung against it, like wind or fire or flood. On this earth, in God's creation, rock is the most sure and steady thing. And so when Jesus comes to the conclusion of his Sermon on the Mount, when he comes to the conclusion of telling us about who God is, as opposed to all the other crazy ideas that are out there, when he comes to the conclusion of showing us who we are meant to be, despite all the other crazy things we think about ourselves, when he comes to the end of telling us how to live a perfect human life as he was living, instead of the dysfunctional human lives we live. When it comes to the end of leading us in the thoughts of our minds and in the emotions of our hearts, leading us into heaven on earth that will continue forever in God. When it comes to the end of that message, he concludes by saying this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. Now the lesson. The lesson is so obvious as to hardly need explanation. But let's think just a bit more about it. Jesus never says, God never says, that the storms of life will not come. If anyone tells you that believing in God protects you from all the problems of the world, they're simply wrong. The fires that will threaten to burn everything up the floods that will threaten to wash everything away, the earthquakes that will rumble and threaten to destroy everything, that's gonna happen in life, period. So let's admit that. Let's admit it and let's look at it 
straight in the face for what it is because, because we know that's not the end of the story. There is a rock that will withstand all of those things, and it's not us. That rock is God himself. God expressed in his word, God expressed in the word who is Jesus, in the words of Jesus, in the word that Jesus lived in his life, the only true and lasting thing. The word of God that creates, the word of God that's true, the word of God that confronts us with the craziness of our lives, the word of God that heals, the word of God that renews. That is the rock. There is no other. The storms of life will come, but there is a rock. And so hearing and doing from the basis of that rock is what's required. No one will force you to build your house on rock. You can build on sand if that's your choice. Hearing and doing, not simply believing, but acting. Dale Bruner comments about this passage when he says that the house that crashes is not the house of pagans or of those who did not hear Jesus' words. The house that crashes is the house of Christians who find Jesus' words important enough to hear, but not realistic enough to live. There you and I are confronted with the reality of our lives, that the temptation is there every day to build on sand, to build on something that is not rock. What is not rock? What is not steady and strong and true and reliable and good for building on? There are lots of things in life, even the best things of life, that are pretty good things, but they're not rock. Our families, lots of us depend on our families. Families can go away. Lots of us depend on our health. Trust me, health goes away. Lots of us depend on our wisdom, our intelligence, our luck, our money, our reputation, our monarch, our nation, our friends, our career. We build on lots of things that are simply not rock because there is only one rock. And that is the Word of God, the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. And so the call for you and I who still believe, the call for those who maybe have given up belief, is always to come back to the rock. I brought one of my favorite rocks with me today. I've shown others to you. This rock is actually something of an amalgamation of lots of rocks. Some are tiny little pebbles. There are some larger rocks within this rock. It weighs about a pound. It's very special to me. Don't you think it's beautiful? <laughs> it's just rock. This particular rock comes from a hole that was bored into the ground 
in order to build some new foundation pillars to shore up a church that was begun in 1130, the Saint-Pierre Cathedral in Geneva, where John Calvin preached and ministered. This rock that I keep on my desk reminds me of the great history of our church and the rock that's available to me and available to you, the same rock upon which John Calvin and all people of faith have always trusted. I have another rock with me today. It's this rock. Isn't this rock gorgeous? You know what? It's just a rock. Now, I would like to tell you, maybe, that the Pope has blessed this rock. I don't think so. That's okay by me. I would like to tell you that this is a special rock, and in a sense, it is a special rock. It came from our local liturgical supply center named Home Depot. This rock is special in some sense in that it has been washed by the hands of the senior pastor's wife yesterday in our sink at home. Here's the good news. I have several hundred more of these rocks and they're sitting in blue plastic baskets at every exit to this sanctuary, including one here for the choir to take so that they don't gripe at me that they were excluded from this special one-time only gift offer. I'm going to give you a rock today. I want everybody to take a rock, and I want you to keep this rock with you, maybe in your pocket, maybe in your purse or your briefcase, maybe just sitting on your desk. I want you to keep this rock with you from now until at least the end of this series of messages at Thanksgiving. I want you to look at that rock. I want you to contemplate that rock. I want you to remember that rock, not just once a week, maybe several times a day. And let it be a reminder to you that this rock is a symbol of the rock upon whom you can live your life, the only rock that lasts forever. It's your choice whether you'll build on that rock or not. Amen. Will you please stand with me as we affirm our faith by reciting the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified dead and buried, he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. 
From there he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the the sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. This rock, or one like it, that I give to you today is nearly worthless. But the rock that God offers to you, His very self, is worth everything. You may have lived your whole life on that rock. You may have strayed off the rock. You may never have come to that rock before, and if today's the day you're going to decide to come to the one true rock, then I'd love to visit with you today. You can say you believe the rock. Fine. Will you live your life on that rock? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever, or in my own little paraphrase, rock on.
Uh-huh.